Hello and welcome to Hope Community Church, Helensburgh. We're a new church with a desire to bring our hope in Jesus Christ to the people of Helensburgh and beyond and live as a community shaped by the gospel. If you live in Helensburgh or are just passing through, we'd love you to join us sometime. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.15 at the Helensburgh and Lowman Civic Centre. But now, here's the latest sermon from Hope Community Church, Helensburgh. You can find the Bible references and more information in the episode notes. This morning I want to read some uh, verses from the book of Revelation and chapter 21, uh, the first eight or so verses and then uh, the last uh, five or so verses of Revelation 21. The words uh, are behind me on the screen. The the book of Revelation is a a vision that the the disciple of Jesus, John, uh, was given uh, and he's coming towards Uh, the end here and he says then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more and I saw the holy city new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying behold the dwelling place of God is with man he will dwell with them and they will be his people And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have his heritage. And I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, Their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. John then goes on to describe this new Jerusalem and we'll pick up uh, in verse 22. And he says, and I saw no temple in the city for its temple is the Lord God, the almighty and the lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives it light and its lamp is the lamb. By its light will the nations walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honour of the the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Amen. We give thanks to God for his word to us. Maybe I've asked it before, but let me ask it again. What do you want for this world? If I was, it's a rhetorical question, but I'm pretty sure all of us would say we want things to get better. We want a better world, a healthier world, a happier world for ourselves, for our friends, for our country. 
We want wars to stop. We want the end of natural uh, disasters. We want uh, a perfect world. Um, when the, the whole globe wasn't yet mapped out hundreds of years ago, many went across the seas to, to America, I suppose, thinking there would be some sort of perfect society there or the opportunity to create the perfect world, a utopian society that could be enjoyed after being discovered. And we may not have new places to discover now, but, but this is what we look for within society, within culture. We want a world that is exactly how we feel it should be. Of course we do. And, and, you know, people talk about being progressive and that's what people are, are striving for, to, to progress to some uh, utopian, perfect society. And yet at the same time, we never quite reach it, do we? People are never quite satisfied with what we have. We're always wanting more. There's always some new trend or whatever else. We keep looking. Uh, apparently, Oscar Wilde said that a map of the world that does not include utopia is not worth even glancing at for it leaves out the one country at which humanity is always landing and when humanity lands there it looks out and seeing a better country set sail progress is the realization of utopias does that not sound a bit like our society always trying to move forward to get more and more and more it speaks well into our society and yet it also hints maybe Maybe, I don't know if intentionally, but that whatever we achieve, whatever technology we possess, whatever self-improvement, whatever laws we pass, it's never enough for people always going on to the next thing, never quite satisfied. If we take it down to the individual level, we're never quite healthy enough. We never quite have enough money. We never quite have what so-and-so next door has. More experiences to enjoy more things to buy and so on or it's just the next new thing the next new cause to latch on to and, and of course we might even look back and think well things were so much better let's progress back to that and again it's looking for that we want to know everything's going to be okay we want to know that that we ourselves are going to be okay that we're going to belong in this world we're going to be part of it we want Utopia. Well, it's not often that I mention Greek, but one thing I do know is that utopia means literally no place. No place. That's what it originally meant. It doesn't exist in this world. We're always going to be striving. We're always going to be searching. We've been looking at the story of the world in our, in our Sunday service, and really we're at the end. And yet at the same time, we're seeing the beginning of something new because as jesus as john says he saw the new heaven and the new earth uh, and in verse 5 we're told behold i am making all things new that is the revelation that john has this vision of the the future that god is bringing our story ends with this new heaven and new earth and it is a story that ends with hope uh, hope that our expectations our desire for a better world for uh, for everything to be right, for everything to be good, will be met. It won't be met here in this life, but, but that utopia, it is a place. It does exist. And it's there for us when we place our faith in Jesus. It's there. And it's not fanciful or wishful thinking. This is the, the certain hope that Christianity 
is about that because Jesus has lived and died and risen again, as we've been seeing in previous weeks, we too will rise again. And more than that, we will be in this new place forever. So simply this morning, three things to think about. What the new heavens and the new earth is, first of all. What it's like, second of all. And how do we get there, third of all. So what the new heavens and earth is. Well, it's home. And what makes a place home? Um, it's not the walls. It's not the windows, the roof, all these things. That's a house. It's a good thing. It's not a geographical location purely. Of course, that is important to us. We call home wherever we're from. They're important. But I think we'd all agree that the thing that makes a home is the, the people that we're with. The people that we know and love and trust and actually enjoy spending time with. It is a physical place, but the people there need to be there. And if they're not there, it doesn't feel like home. And I think thinking about that can help us to understand what the new heavens and the new earth is. It is a physical place. We've seen that before. It is there. We will be resurrected. We will be people. But verse 3 tells us that, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their gods. What we're being told here is that the new creation that God is making is the place where he himself is. He's the one on the throne. It's the, there's no need for light, as we read at the end, because, because the Lamb is at the centre, because Jesus is at the centre. What we're being told is the new heavens and the new earth is the place where God is, the place where Jesus is. And it matters because God is the one who loves us with the deepest love that we could ever dream of. This is what we need. John sees the, the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Let me just explain that the new Jerusalem is the church, it's the people of God. That's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a symbol, it's a metaphor of that. Uh, and what we're told is that this city looks like a bride adorned for her husband. And the husband is Jesus. It's Jesus and his church. And so the image that's being given is that the people of God are in the new creation and they are with Jesus. There is that love, that unity. There is that relationship. There is that sense of home because there is that, that love that Jesus has for his people and that he is completely committed to us and he will never let us go. The new heaven and the earth is the place where we are with our God. That is what it is. And we're being pointed to eternal bliss and protection and care from our gods. The end of the passage, as we said, it speaks of there only being light and Jesus being at the centre, a place where there's no darkness, a place where we are truly at home. When we think of how good it is when we're with people who love us and who, who look out for us, it, it, it's great, isn't it? We had some friends around for, for, for dinner last night. Uh, and it was just so nice because we were just spending time with friends. And it's one of life's pleasures. And it, you feel that sense of home, belonging, happiness. And heaven has that cranked up to 11. It's, it's all there. And yet we know the opposite when the relationships are severed, when there's tension, when there's fighting. It's a horrible feeling. Well, the new heavens and the new earth is that place where there is no tension. There is no divide. We are with our God we are his bride. He loves us and he cares for us. And, and, and we're never away from him. They say that distant makes the heart go fonder, grow, grow fonder. 
but not so here. We will be perfectly happy forever. Heaven is home because it's the place where Jesus is. It's the place where he brings his people. And that's the place where it's best to be. You may go through life feeling out of place, not at home, searching for more. So many are searching for that meaning in this world, aren't they? The safety and security of real friendship, of family. And that's exactly what our hope is, that we will be at home with the Lord. That's what we are given, that all God's people will be with him. That is what the new heaven and the new earth is. Yes, a physical place, but here, the most important thing is that God is with us and we are his people. And, and today, while we have that hope as well, we, we can live that out. As we said, we are the bride of Christ. We're the church here and now. And so what we can strive to do, if we want to apply this now, is, is live that out. Live out being uh, Jesus's bride, being that church, being people who hope, being people who care for one another, who are united, who, who love one another in all these things and are looking forward to that day when we are with our Saviour. We can live it out now, get a taste of it. We are ambassadors here. We are living as his church, longing for that day. So that's what it is. It's our home where our, our Saviour is. But what will it be like? Uh, we've hinted at that already, um, but what will the new heavens and the earth be like? Uh, sometimes we might think of eternity as being a little dreary or intimidating. Might not want to live forever because life here has been hard and we can't imagine anything more than pain and misery of, of, of getting older, of illness or all these things we must face up to at one time or another. Uh, and maybe in a way, okay, I've maybe said this before, but but heaven, new creation, it sounds a little bit like cherubs singing in the clouds, playing a little harp. We, we maybe don't want that. But what we're told is a very different to the popular uh, image. We, we don't get huge details in the Bible of what it will actually be like. And yet what we're told is that it will meet our greatest needs. Uh, verses 1 and 4 tell us exactly. Verse 1 says, no more sea. And that's confusing at first. If we've got this new world, then why wouldn't there be an ocean with all its life and beauty and so on? Why? Well, again, it, it, it's, it's a metaphor. It's, um, it's saying something about the nature of the sea. So when I was a child, um, vivid memories of being on ferries to the Isle of Lewis. Uh, and sometimes the sea gets quite choppy. There's people here who can probably tell you better than I can. Uh, but I remember once especially, it was just the crashing waves, the ship lurching up and slamming back down and waves coming up to the top deck, it felt like anyway. Uh, and it's, it's a very unsettling feeling, very uh, weird thing, really. You know that you're at the mercy of the sea, that it is more powerful than you are, uh, and that you're just protected by the boat, basically. And then, of course, when you think back 2,000 years ago, you're in a wooden ship, you've got oars, you've got a sail, you're kind of relying on the wind to get you places, but the wind's also going to ruin your boat. It's, it was an uncertain thing. It was, it was mysterious. It was dangerous. It, it represented to people uncertainty, destruction even. So when John says that there would be no sea, he's seeing a place of peace and safety, 
a restful place where everything is calm, where there isn't unexpected storms, when there isn't anything to go wrong. Pure peace. That is the picture that verse 1 is conveying, that the, the sea is no more and all its chaos is gone. And I know many of us probably would love the idea of life being a little less chaotic sometimes. Well, that is exactly what is promised. And then verse 4 has these, these famous words, and it's this beautiful picture of eternity. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Isn't that beautiful isn't that amazing that in all our sorrows in all our sadness and all our pain we're not forgotten we're not forsaken we're not ignored jesus isn't indifferent in fact what he says is he himself will wipe away the tears he himself will take away that pain will bring that restoration will give us comfort will reassure us that that all the pain and sorrow is gone that there will be a day when it's all a distant memory he's shown it in his death and his resurrection he's he's shown that, that it's coming it's not here yet we're very aware of that aren't we and yet the promise of this passage is that there will be a place where death shall be no more we won't face it we won't have to think about it we won't have to deal with it again jesus own resurrection shows that and is that not what brings so many tears? And these tears will be gone as they're they're wiped away. For now, we must still face up to it. But we have the hope that it doesn't have the final say, that it's not the end, and that in this new creation, this new heavens and new earth, it's taken away. And, and all its consequences, uh, all the consequences of sin, not just the death, but the, the illness, everything is made right. And it's hard for us to imagine because the reality that we live with every single day is pain, is illness, is death. Again, just look at the news and we see it. Our mortality is inescapable and yet there is hope here that he will wipe away every tear, that these things will pass away, that they will be a distant memory to us. We, we don't like to think about it. We fill our lives with distractions and yet it is reality but it won't always be it won't always be the reality it's hope in this life of uncertainty we have hope of certainty of peace being in the care of our god who loves us deeply at our home we're mourning crying pain is gone we need that and, and we long for it. It's built into us. And it feels like we can never have it. But what Jesus promises is that we will have it. No matter how filled with tears we are here. And it's not to minimise that for a second. It's not to uh, take away the reality of that. But it's showing us that God really cares about these things. That he really loves us and that he is dealing with it. And that he is with us now. And he will be with us then. There will be an end to all these things when we started our series we looked at the garden of eden and we saw how god had made everything good and even very good and yet it was all ruined by the sin of adam and eve the world 
was broken. And we can just look at the world again, Turkey and Syria, Ukraine, all these things. The world is broken. Well, at the end of our story, we've seen it time and time again. Jesus came to die, to be resurrected, to reverse all these things. And the end of our story is seeing that there will be a day when all of it is done. And we will be in a place where there is perfect happiness, when tears are gone, when when hope isn't needed because we've 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 got there <coughs> and we're in perfect happiness and peace that's the hope that we have again we need to ask how do we live now then well we live with hope with hope that this life isn't all that there is that it is the the passing shadow before the eternal light comes again as we read at the end we don't live with the we have times of despair but we don't live with the the same despair we have that that flicker of hope that light at the end of the tunnel that something more is coming and we can live with with confidence in jesus instead of ourselves we can live in the freedom knowing we're not in control but and instead we can long and look forward to that day when he will wipe away our tears and we can live as well with patience we are here now we must endure until the end and and this hope i believe can bring that patience i know what it's like to be an impatient uh, person lydia will tell you me doing diy is a, a sign of impatience just getting fed up that's a silly example but throughout life we have that patience but this can give us patience because we keep going because we have hope that this isn't all that there is that this isn't it that there is something more and god can seem slow in some ways to us we wonder why he he, he doesn't do what we expect he can even seem far off sometimes if we're honest but we trust what he is doing and what he will bring us to and it can give us patience we can also live with a realistic view of now that this world isn't our final home that we're not yet where we belong the world is god's good creation we've said that many times and it's not to to minimize that uh, and we work for the good of this world but we're not going to see perfection here yet we will one day but at the same time we we have eager expectation for the future we live with a realistic view knowing that that this world is broken that it's always going to be until jesus comes back and does what he says he'll do and we can we can be set free having that realistic view knowing that in one way our efforts are not in vain because god is working but in another way that no matter what happens no matter how out of control we become our lives become our circumstances around us this country even that god is there and there is hope we could go on uh, and on but hopefully that helps uh, as well third and finally in the time we've got how do we get the new heavens and the new earth it all sounds great i'm sure jesus wiping away the tears wonderful beautiful how do we get there um if we want something that we like we'll spend a lot of time working out how we get it. remember as a teenager if there was a, if there was a gig a concert on i try and work out how to make sure i got a ticket before they sold out you know making sure i was logged in online at just the right time to click and buy the ticket making sure I had the money working out the travel all that stuff a lot of time thought and money goes in to these things 
And sometimes that's maybe how we approach God. We think, if I do this and this, if I check this box, if I, if I say this many prayers, if I know this much about if I memorize this much of the Bible, if I do this many good things, I'll make sure I get there. That can maybe be our default way of thinking. And of course, these things are good, but there is only one way to get there. And it's what we'll see in a second, but the last verse maybe stood out to you, verse 8. The cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, the lake of, that burns with fire and sulfur. We don't like to speak about these things, but Jesus has put it there. There is a warning about hell and the people who go there. And anyone who's ever lived as the thing comes under these categories. We all have idols. We all have hearts uh, that go against God. Uh, we all lie. All these things describe every human being apart from Jesus. Uh, and so when we read that, we think, well, there's no chance I'm going to get there. There's no hope. We do have our idols. Uh, and and this threat of hell, is it not harsh? Isn't it God's job to be to be merciful? So we have something good that we may want, a world that's good, perfection. But we don't meet the standard. So how do we get it? Well, We've already been told, Jesus says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. Alpha and Omega, Jesus basically saying he's, he's outside of time. He's outside of our full understanding. He's so great and powerful. He's the beginning and the end. He's everything. But the second half of the verse is the key to the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. We get to heaven by going to Jesus. He's the one who gives from the spring of the water of life. In John chapter 4, Jesus meets with a woman who has a reputation in the community, shall we say. She has many partners. She's an adulteress. She's looked down upon. And Jesus kind of shocks people by interacting with her. Uh, they meet by a well. And Jesus tells her, you know, when you drink this water, you'll be thirsty again. And he says, whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus is saying, I'm giving eternal life. I'm giving what satisfies you. And as we're told here, it's without payment. And this is the key thing. Jesus gives this hope. Jesus gives forgiveness. Jesus gives eternal life freely. No payment, no charge. He gives that water of eternal life, that spring, freely. There is nothing that any of us can give. There is nothing that any of us can do that can make us worthy of this. He simply gives to us freely out of his love, out of his compassion, out of his care for us. It's what we call grace. He gives without payment he expects nothing from us and that's how he's always been isaiah 55 isaiah an old testament prophet hundreds and hundreds of years before jesus and he's told by god come he he, he gives this message come come to the waters come by without price give free he gives freely and simply trusting in jesus that he will give this to us is what we do Later on in John, Jesus says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. It's in looking 
to Jesus, believing in him that we get this. It is trusting in Christ. That is always the message that we have because it is the message of the Bible. It all hinges. The whole story that we've seen these months, it's all about Jesus and how he is the one who rescues us, who gives us this without price. He does show mercy. He does show kindness. He will welcome that that lake uh, of that burns with fire, that second death. No one has to go there. No one. All we must do is believe in him. He has shown great mercy. He has shown great love. He gives that water of eternal life without charge. No payment required. He simply gives it to you and to me, to anyone who believes. All we must do is believe in him. He's died on the cross for us, who has risen from the dead. Trust in Christ. Trust in him and he will always welcome. He will never turn away. He'll never throw you out, but will keep you. He will have you, all of us, as his bride. And we will be with him forever. The new heaven and the new earth is there for us. All we must do to have that place where the tears are wiped away, where the pain ends, where death is no more. All we must do is come and receive, without charge, receive that eternal life simply by trusting in Jesus. May God bless these thoughts to us. Thanks for listening. Join us every Sunday at 10.15 as we meet at the Helensburgh and Lowman Civic Centre. Find out more on our website, hopehelensburgh.org.